Welcome to Elementor Talks. My guest today is Brian Massey. Brian calls himself a conversion scientist, and he has the lab code to prove it. The company founded in 2007, Conversion Sciences, was one of the first agencies focused exclusively on website optimization. Brian has learned what works on the web through thousands of website tests. In our talk, I asked them some hard-hitting questions about the process of optimizing websites and getting more revenue without paying for more traffic. Here's what he had to say. Hi, Elementors. Welcome to our podcast. Today is the first time I'm co-hosting with the lovely Cassie. You will recognize her from our videos. Hi, Cassie. Hey, guys. And our guest today is Brian Massey from Conversion Sciences. Brian, it's lovely to have you here. Well, I wouldn't be anywhere else. So let's start by you telling us a bit about yourself and what conversion sciences is. Well, if you can imagine, um, back in the late 80s, I was graduating from college with a computer science degree, but I had seen an IBM salesperson, the shocking red power tie, the white shirt, the blue coat, the tan. And I thought, I'm going to go into sales instead of going to programming. So I went into sales out of college, rose to my highest level of incompetence in that, came back to, came to Austin, got back into to, uh, software development for a small company, but ended up doing their marketing. And in the 90s, I ran my own company. The 2000.com bust took out some of our clients, which took us out. And I spent a few years building the websites for technology companies. So I don't know what you do with this uh, computer scientist, marketing, sales, entrepreneur, other than be a conversion scientist. So um, I hung a shingle, put on a lab coat, and that's what I did. And in 2007, I founded Conversion Sciences. This is an agency completely focused on post-click optimization. We bring a team to any business that relies on the web for revenue, for leads, for sales, for subscribers, and we optimize the site to improve the experience for the visitor and increase revenue for the business. We're fixing the internet one website at a time. Um, we make the website better for the buyer. The buyer makes things better for the business. It's a virtuous circle. So you were actually there throughout all the landmarks of, uh, you know, the, the start of the, the high tech. Can you tell us a bit? I, I mean, it's very interesting for our uh, users. What exactly is conversion rate optimization and why it's important for, for the, any business? Well, nobody puts up a website to generate traffic. I mean, we spend all of our time and our efforts developing traffic to our website, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is to develop traffic to our website that will subscribe to our services, that will buy our products, that will begin a conversation with us by giving us their contact information and becoming a lead. These are the reasons that we put up a website. That issue is not about more traffic. It's about turning visitors into qualified leads and customers. It's a, it's a process of essentially getting rid of those people that aren't going to buy from us that are in the wrong place, and then opening our arms and welcoming in those that are in our target market. And everything that goes into that includes design, copy, buyer psychology, layout. Um, are you presenting a credible face? 
Are you making me feel secure? So you can imagine the number of things that we can explore to find out what it is about your particular website that is chasing away ready buyers and qualified leads. And do you do this for a certain type of, of client? Do you have a certain uh, type of client that you usually work for? Or is it uh, large, small? So we have worked with businesses of all sizes. You're going to find those businesses that are more entrepreneurial, are more attracted to uh, services like ours. So if there's a culture in the business that is we are working to improve things for our visitors and we have aggressive growth goals based on the web, uh, they are going to um, be an ideal customer for us. This can be a large company. This can be a small company. You tend to find at the very biggest companies, the enterprise companies, that the, the main focus is, I don't want to cast aspersions, but as people move further and further away from the bottom line and their objectives become less focused on revenue and growth, they're going to be less interested in conversion optimization services. So we find that our ideal audience is in that mid to um, small, small business to small enterprise range. And uh, so everyone knows the profit results for big businesses, uh, you know, like a 1% increase for a big brand like, say, Coca-Cola could translate to millions. But how about CRO for SMBs? Even more so. And so there are a couple of things. If, uh, if a business is considering conversion optimization, there are a couple of factors that will really um, determine how quickly they get a return on their conversion optimization investment. And the first of those is the average order size. So a small business, for instance, a private university is a small business. But when they close a quote-unquote deal, when they gain a new student, they're talking about tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of a college education. So their payback on small changes in their conversion rates, uh, their website improves its ability to bring in applicants by 2%, 5%, 10%. They get paid back very quickly because of the large size of the purchase. Yeah, like the life, cycle, the life cycle of the client. Yes. Um, so the uh, long-term value is a great way to measure your return on investment in conversion optimization. If you get the uh, someone, if you're an e-commerce site, and let's say your average order size is $100 or $200, then your payback is going to be a little bit longer, obviously longer than small gains for a, a college. But if you have a, a, are very good at getting your visitors back to buy and you have a lifetime value of $500 or $1,000, then using that to measure the payback on your conversion optimization is probably going to be more accurate. And you're going to see that your payback on conversion optimization efforts uh, will be paid back on a regular basis. If you're selling books at an average order value of $20, it's going to be a much longer payback period. And so you'll need a higher volume that you're optimizing for in order to get a return on investment. What's like the minimum volume, let's say, for the average e-commerce store that you can start the testing for? So we love to do A-B testing. A-B testing allows us to gather the best evidence that one of our ideas is a good idea, that one of our design changes is a good design change. Statistically, it requires around a thousand transactions a month. That would allow us to test one good idea a month on the website and work through our hypothesis list. 
Now, to put this in perspective, we're going to come up with, for a typical e-commerce site, for example, we're going to come up with 100 good ideas for how to improve the site. Not all of those is going to work for any particular e-commerce business. So we've got to do some preliminary research to figure out which of those ideas is most likely to do well. And those are the ones we take to the A-B test. The A-B test will not only tell us which ideas are going to improve revenue, it's going to tell us by how much. And we also like to look at it like this. That's also telling us how much better a job we're doing at communicating with the buyer, giving them the information that they need, making them feel comfortable and confident working with us and taking action on the website. And how do you pick the channels? I mean, you have from copy to, to you know, the, the emails that are sent, the design. How do you choose this, the segment or channel that uh, you choose for, uh, for the testing? Because you can probably do, what, like four or five tests a month or something like that. Yeah, so what we do is uh, we want to make sure that we have uh, a lot of ideas. So we'll get any ideas that the organization is already kicking around. Uh, you marketers out there, I know you've heard this. You've heard, how come we're not dot, dot, dot? Have we ever thought about, have we ever tried? I just got back from a conference and we should be doing all of these ideas that obviously can't be thrown onto the website effectively. But what we do is we collect those. And so they, each one of them gets um, considered and ranked on our list. We talk to salespeople. We talk to the folks in the um, customer service department. And we want to find out what those questions are that visitors, callers, prospects are asking most often. Analytics will tell us some problem pages where we're seeing high exit percentages or where people aren't moving forward in the funnel. And then we're going to do some additional research. So we're going to add some software that records sessions. We're going to add some software that generates heat maps so we can see exactly how visitors are interacting with pages. And all of these, as we explore our way through them, bring up ideas. Good ideas. Oh, this person's having a problem with this design or this image isn't clickable, or people aren't scrolling far enough down the page, we need to change the organization on this page. All of those ideas get put into the, buck, into the, into the list. We then rank them based on what we think their impact is, how difficult they are to test, and if they're on pages dealing with a lot of traffic or some very important traffic, um, and start researching the ones at the top. So we'll go in and specifically look for evidence. Even if we have to do some user tests, to see if a change is really going to change, uh, help visitors interface with our site, we'll do that. And so we eliminate some of these ideas. We develop high, um, data that says, oh, these are really good ideas, the ones we get excited about. And then we use that information to decide what we're going to roll out into a test. So yes, we'll be able to test one to four ideas a month and begin working through our hypothesis list. And can you share like uh, a recent project that, uh, what, what was the process like and, you know, what was the, the hurdle that they faced? So we have a client that is building an e-commerce site and they're using a you price it model. They're using a model where the, the buyer can actually name a price and they've developed some proprietary software that will go and check with vendors to see if they can get those products at a lower price than is published on the website. So as you can guess, this is kind of a different model. It's been well-established in the, the travel and hotel space, the hospitality space, but for these products, it has never been tried before. 
So we first wanted to start off with understanding how visitors were interacting with the site as it was. So we ran through usertesting.com tests. We, that gave us some very good ideas about where some of the problems are on the page. We made changes to the pages based on that, design changes, layout changes, messaging changes, and then we ran them through usertesting.com again. And so this allows us to inexpensively and very quickly iterate through ideas. Once we've, we have a design that we feel like uh, the user testing candidates enjoying and having fun with, then we'll take that out and create an, an A-B test to measure specifically how much better that page is doing than the original one that was on the site. So that kind of gives you, I think, an illustration of the way we use research to narrow down what we're going to test so that we're only testing those things most likely to deliver more revenue and more leads. I know some site owners can be pretty opinionated about their site design, of course, if you're dealing with designers. So do you, do you sometimes conflict with, like, you suggest, according to user tests, do ABC, and uh, the designer, uh, you know, it's not, not exactly what their vision is? Yeah. And how well, do you deal with that? It's a collaborative process. So uh, we want to make sure that we're not going to test anything that at the end of the day, the The business is going to come back and say, well, it's great that you found additional revenue, but this is not in line with our, our brand. So we want to test things that are in line with brand. Sometimes a business can make the choice to keep a design change that's suppressing conversion because of the long-term benefit of consistency of brand, consistency of experience. So um, we, we just we're very we work very interactively with our clients and we're not going to test anything that's going to go against their design wishes and usually the uh, designer is going to be able to take what we do what we find out from our tests and uh, give it the polish that it needs uh, that's what designers do there they they uh, give us the best version of the things that work can you actually can you tell us about some of the most common conversion mistakes that you see on websites well so the 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 whole purpose of all of this research and conversion optimization is to either increase the sample size of the people contributing to the website or improve the quality of that sample. So let me talk let me explain what that means. Me as a marketer producing a landing page. I'm familiar with the customer. I've read the marketing research. I've studied the personas at some point. but I'm going to be writing this. landing page with a sample size of one. I'm going to be the only one contributing to it. So I'm going to put onto the page the things I think are most persuasive are the things that the visitor is looking for. And I'm going to be the final arbiter of that. Now, if I ask a designer to come in and take a look at that or to help me with that, we've increased the sample size to two. Two of us are providing input on this creative exercise. I get the executive team and other people in my marketing department involved to review the copy and look at the design, I might be able to expand the sample size to 10. So I have 10 people involved in looking at a piece of creative. Statistically, that's an incredibly small sample size. And we are what uh, the Eisenberg brothers call inside the bottle. When you're inside the bottle, inside the business, you can't read the label. And so you're blinded by what... you believe to be true, rather than being able to take um, a detached look and look at your business and look at your products as your visitors are looking at them. 
So we have both a small sample size and we have a poor quality sample. Yeah, biased view. A biased view, exactly. So it's no wonder that so many marketing campaigns launch with a, meh, that didn't work so good. So with conversion optimization, what we want to do is increase that sample size. We want 25 or 50 or 100 people outside the business to take a look at that creative. And so that's where these user research tools come in. I mentioned usertesting.com. We love usabilityhub.com. Validately is a new tool. And these tools are getting really good at bringing people to look at our creative that we can target more and more specifically, getting their feedback and understanding how our creative is improving the experience, how good they are at finding out what they're supposed to do, how good the page is at communicating what the business or the offer is about, how good the page is at um, reflecting the credibility and authority of our business. So we're doing that and we're also increasing the quality. So we can, an A-B test is great for this because we can take a new creative, put it in front of the people coming to our website and compare the performance of that new landing page with the existing one or the existing flow and see if it actually is going to improve things with our customers and prospects uh, in a statistically valid way with a sample size that is designed to give us the answers that we want. So all of our efforts are taking your typical design process, which because of small sample size and poor input from external sources, from prospects and customers, is not serving you well and increasing the sample size and the quality of participants as we do the research that, are tell, that give us indications that we're going to be able to improve the website with this new creative effort. How long does it take until you can reach like uh, conclusions and, and uh, for, for the first, you know, A-B test? Before we reach a conclusion during a test or? Yeah. Yeah. For the first phase, let's say uh, the, an initial test. Oh, well, we will almost always put a test in the water as soon as we have the tools installed. Um, we always, we hate to be not testing. Um, so somebody starts working with us, they'll typically work with us for an initial six month period. And we will begin um, making sure that their analytics are working well, making sure that their the A-B testing tools and the uh, heat map tools, the session recording tools are all installed and working well, making sure that their analytics are accurate. But while we're doing that and developing our list of ideas, we're going to go ahead and uh, take one idea and start an A-B test. It helps us shake out those tools. We design our um, programs and partner with businesses that we believe we can do one test cycle a month. A test cycle may have one, two, three, or four ideas that we're testing from our hypothesis list, and it will include a separate test for mobile and desktop because mobile visitors and desktop visitors are just, they're like from two different planets. So we test them separately as if they were different businesses. And then our goal is to do that six times over the course of that six months, get through six testing cycles, anywhere from six great ideas to 24 great ideas typically will be tested during that period. And then clients get to decide if they want to keep working with us to find more and more increases in revenue on their website. Yeah, makes sense. You've been doing this for a long time. What are typically some easy wins that you see regarding when you start off a project, like the low-hanging fruit that uh, is easy to, to accomplish? 
You know, it really varies. So after we finish the list, we put each of our ideas into a bucket. We've got five primary buckets for an idea. So an idea might be around value, proposition, messaging. So to give you an idea, on an e-commerce site, we'll often come in with hypotheses about how to change the wording on their main navigation uh, because the main navigation is very important for communicating what the website is about. So some e-commerce sites will have a very functional main menu. There'll be uh, men's wear, women's wear, clearance items, about us, contact us, things like that. Uh, and they may benefit from being more specific on the kinds of products. So shoes, pants, mm -hmm. shirts, those sorts of things. So we want to test that because when someone comes to the website, we want them to get a very clear idea of what the site is about. Even if they never use the main navigation, they should get a clear yeah. idea from it. So that's an idea of messaging. The other buckets are layout. So how good a job is the page doing at putting the messaging and the important elements in front of the visitor? Credibility and authority is the design communicating credibility and authority and how can we increase that feeling of credibility and authority? Social proof, how are elements on the site communicating that other people have used the products and services and had a good experience? Everything from ratings and reviews to testimonials. And then security and risk reversal. If I give you my credit card, is my identity going to be stolen? If I give you my email address, are you going to have a salesperson start calling me? Or are you going to flood me with spam? Or are you going to sell that email address? So all of our ideas will generally fall in one of these five buckets. Once we've done a little research and ranked them, we begin to see that there's an overriding problem. We'll see a whole lot of um, hypotheses that fall into the messaging category. We'll see a lot of hypotheses that fall into the credibility category. And mm -hmm. so that's where we'll generally start our testing. And for every, every site, it's going to be a little bit different. But it's very eye-opening to go through this process and sort of say like, wow, I thought we were communicating so clearly about what we're about. And here, all the data is showing that people don't get what we are about. It's very eye-opening. Can you tell us also a little bit about what would you advise users who aren't oriented to data and numbers? I mean, this is important for many of our users who are web designers and marketers. So every one of us is already wired as a behavioral scientist. I tell the story about my son. He's 14 years old, building his first gaming computer. This is a box that is going to, you know, the kids don't go to, they don't go to the mall anymore to hang out with their friends. They hang out online with their earphones on in one of these uh, esports or gaming worlds, League of Legends, Minecraft, World of Warcraft, and now Fortnite, I think, is the, the popular one. Yeah. So he had to get this right. And he was down to the last component inspecting this, the motherboard. He had two motherboards. They um, both had the features he needed. They were both the same price. One was rated four stars and one was rated five stars. Now, if we weren't already wired for behavioral science, behavioral data, this 14-year-old would have said, oh, five stars better than four star. I'll buy the five star. But even at this tender age, he knew to go and look at how many reviews were driving those star ratings. And in the case of the five-star review, there were only 15 reviews. In the case of the four-star rating, there were 250 reviews. So he doesn't use these terms, but he went and checked the sample size. And he's calculating the confidence range on this rating, this, this data. And he knows that the, the five-star motherboard could very well be a one-star motherboard with just 15 reviews. 
whereas the four-star motherboard could be a three-star motherboard, might be a five-star motherboard, but I believe that number better because of the high sample size. He's also doing a calculation on the population. How many of these motherboards have been sold? If there's only 15 reviews, there's either something wrong with that motherboard or it's new on the market. So he's he doesn't use terms like confidence range, sample size, population, but he's already wired for this. And I think web designers and marketers should take a little offense at the thought that they can't, I don't know what it is, be mathy or sciencey. The bottom line is this is digital. It is now more expensive not to use behavioral data than it is to use behavioral data. These tools are cheap. They are easy to use. They are powerful. And so if marketers and web designers aren't using them, then they need to go back to print or go someplace where they uh, won't be as easily measured if they're afraid of using this data. There's lots of yeah, plus the Go ahead. The, the tools themselves are, are being uh, created that are much more user-friendly, like Google Optimize, Hotjar. So you really can utilize these kind of, uh, of uh, tools. I recently started using uh, Hrefs. Uh, they present the data in, in, in a way that is not Excels. And, uh, you know, so I think, you know, there, there are the data-savvy people that uh, like those uh, more... Uh, code-oriented or, or uh, Excel-oriented tools, but uh, I think marketers and, and even site owners can utilize these tools. Well, we, I mean, when we have a meeting after we've done all this research, the first 30 to 40 days, we're doing research. We have this amazing meeting that I want every marketer or web developer to have where we uh, present our findings and we pull the graphs, we pull the heat map reports, we pull the scroll map reports, we grab samples from the um, session recordings that illustrate problems. And these are executives, business owners that are looking at these reports. They know how to read these reports. They can look at a, a heat map report and understand what the hotspots are on there. We've, we all know how to read weather maps. They know how to look at a scroll map and see a page that has a scroll problem where the bottom two-thirds are just dark blue, meaning no one is seeing them. So I don't, I don't, not only should we not underestimate marketers and web people, but I think these marketers and web people need to be bringing this data into more of their meetings to educate the rest of the organization. People will get it. We know how to do this. The reports are fantastic and we understand what they're telling us. Do you see an increase in, in uh, the awareness of the importance of conversion rates, let's say in comparison to, you know, other maybe more known strategies like, you know, SEO and, and the ads? The answer is yes. It's yes and no. So um, in 2007, when I started this uh, agency, not a lot of people knew about conversion. There was this discipline that there was this art and science to understanding how our visitors are interacting with us on the web and that we have these amazing tools that allow us to really understand what's get, what's in their way. So I've been writing and teaching. I speak all over the world, um, do fabulous podcasts like this to get the word out. And so far I've created, um, helped create an environment where um, almost any agency is putting conversion optimization on their website. SEOs say, oh yes, we'll do conversion optimization. Uh, full service agencies are, yes, we'll do conversion optimization, but they are mistaking good design 
and best practices for conversion optimization. We used to do best practices conversion. We'd say, oh, we'll look at your site and use all of our knowledge and the, the studying we do to tell you exactly how to change it. When we started testing, we realized how often we were wrong because every website's audience is different. So there are no best practices and we will not make a recommendation unless we have some research to back up that recommendation. But today, there everybody is now talking about conversion optimization. There's a next level of awareness that is really how we're using behavioral data, behavioral science in the service of our prospects and customers. And it's not just about being good at design. Yeah, I, re- I read a book uh, a while back by, by about the, the story of Kahneman and Tversky, and they, they show how how biased the you know every person it really is so i think this emb- empirical you know approach is is kind of crucial because we're l- like i think we're coded to be uh, biased in some way we are and self-assuring and if you can imagine so their conclusion was that no human being <laughs> it's statistically none of the human beings that do financial advising um, and stockbrokering is good at picking stocks, is better at picking stocks than uh, the random throwing darts. And yet we have this entire multi-trillion dollar industry that is based exactly yeah. on that. And I think that's what we're facing uh, to a large extent in the design community. Uh, I like to think that the design community, marketing community is smarter than those yahoos, but uh, we'll see. Well, hopefully so. It's been a pleasure. I have... I want to keep talking, but uh, we, we have to wrap things up. Can you share with us what are the, what are the things you're currently working on? Sure. So, I mean, we are continuing to publish content at conversionsciences.com. We have a new training that will explain to you exactly how we do what we do and take you through the entire process I've outlined here. Uh, you can visit conversionlive.com and jump into that training. You can watch me on video. Do the exercises and very quickly you're going to have your own list of ideas ranked and you're going to know exactly what to go off and start working on start testing i will be presenting live at digital summit in dallas and at digital summit in raleigh i'm doing a full day workshop in both of those cities so if you'd like to come and do this live with me go check out digitalsummit.com and other than that i hope to be able to take a little bit of time off for the holidays Cool. Well, you're probably booked on, on the Black Friday and uh, <laughs> people want to, to get more conversions. Actually, we shut everything down on Black Friday. If we haven't done, we've done our research, we've <laughs> done our tests. By the time Black Friday comes around, our clients are already ready. So, But there's always next year. Makes sense. <laughs> okay, so it's been a pleasure and uh, hopefully we'll uh, have you back on the show again. I would love to come back. Great talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye, Brian. <laughs>